And so he gets when he gets a little too much in him, he starts calling it the Christopher Columbus bourbon. And and I said, Why do you do that? He goes, It's that that 1492 bourbon. I'm like, no, it's not 1492, <laughs> dude. It's 1792. Episode 5 of The Mashup, the best bourbon conversation you're going to hear all week long. We're your hosts, Michael, Anthony, and Steven. Hello, fellas. Good evening. Howdy. Well, I've got a little little story to share with you guys before we get started. I did something kind of hipster and millennial this weekend with two of my kids. Very t- dangerous to say hipster and millennial. Well, uh, once, you he- statement. once you hear this, you will probably agree. I took them okay. to a cat cafe where we were put into a room with seven, eight kittens, and they were just allowed to run free and play, and we had hot cocoa, and we were there for about an hour. So that's my millennial uh, update with you guys. So I thought they served cats at the cat cafe as as a restaurant. From what I understand, my wife has taken my daughter there as well, and from what I understand is these cats are up for adoption. So... You know, you play with them, and they, they rope you in, and then you adopt one and take one home with you from uh, the cat cafe. I told my wife in, in about six months, there's going to be a bunch of people giving away cats that, that were, uh, their honeymoon is over with the cat cafe cats. So Yeah, I could uh, I can see how the uh, marketing on that one, it looks great when you're in there at the cafe, and then when you get the cat home, it's a different story. But I would not be, I'm not excited about this at all, uh, because I'm very allergic to cats. And so I will not be taking my kids to any kind of cat cafe, but I give you a lot of props for doing that and also admitting to it uh, here. (laughs) It's for the kids. Yeah, it's for the kids, right? So we do everything for the kids. So I think we're going to jump right into the bottle here. So today we have a um, 1792 small batch bottle. It is a a personal favorite of mine, so I'm just going to say that that up front. Um, Anthony, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure, and I actually was uh, telling Stephen that, you know, we all first met each other and started drinking bourbon together that I always dubbed him as a 1792 guy. And so he's always had a good lineup of 1792 stuff, but here we go with the specs of the bottle. 1792 is uh, from the Martin Distillery, 1792 small batch. And of course, Martin is owned by Sazerac, familiar name from previous podcasts, and of course, a huge name in bourbon. Uh, This bottle that we're drinking tonight has a 2018 laser code, although this has been produced a little bit longer and it's gone through different instantiations of naming. It was previously known as Ridgemont Reserve before it became what we know today as 1792 Small Bat. The ABV on this bottle is a very interesting 46.85%, coming in at 93.7 proof, and it is a non-age stated bottle, become a familiar theme with a lot of these mid-tier bourbons on the shelf, but it's rumored to be six to eight years old. The mash bill is undisclosed, but again, rumored to be high rye between 15 and 25%. And the MSRP comes in at a very affordable, around $30. Of course, depending on where you're at, what market you're in, you might find it on special uh, closer to 25, 27. Yeah, it's another one of those uh, ones in that 25 to $30 category that we've probably talked about before on other episodes. They're they're there every day and you can find it pretty much on the shelf anywhere you go. It's not real expensive. It's a cool looking bottle. It's got the 1792, which was the year that Kentucky first became a state is the, is the brand. Um, and then each, they have a bunch of different variants of this uh, 1792 
So they got like, you know, different colors to kind of distinguish between the different kinds. Um, I'm looking at the back real quick and, you know, I'm big on what, what are they the first of, right? Every company we've had, every bottle we've had, somebody's been the first something, right? This one uh, doesn't say anything about being the first. However, it does say at the bottom, it makes the subtleties of 1792 make it incomparably brash and bold. So we'll see what that means when we when we get into it, because that doesn't seem like a selling point to me. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, those are not notes or, or brash. Everybody wants yeah. a good brash bourbon, right? Mm. Let's see. Let's see if it burns all the way down, right? Maybe it's a little bit of the call out to the rye mash bill, maybe, but still, I agree with you guys. I don't know how that's supposed to be something that's appealing, right? Also, I know a guy, every time he, he likes to drink this stuff, and, and when he drinks it, he drinks it pretty heavily. When he gets a little too much in him, he starts calling it the Christopher Columbus bourbon. And and I said, why do you do that? He goes, it's that, that 1492 bourbon. I'm like, no, it's not 1492, dude. It's 1792. So uh, so it, it's always kind of funny when he's always had that. Pass that, for, pass that Christopher Columbus bourbon over to me. All right, all right dude. Well, Michael, I, with you, I agree that the... The 750 bottle is very attractive. We we'll use the word handsome, but let's talk about the 1.75 liter size bottle. That thing is a tank. <laughs> that thing is, I mean, it feels like it should have wheels on the bottom and you got to roll it around the airport like it's a luggage, piece of luggage, because it is enormous. It is the same footprint, but instead of making a different shape bottle, they decided to go vertical. Yep. And like the uh, Elijah Craig last uh, last episode, this one has a big lip on the top, which makes pouring nearly impossible um, without spilling something. Those of you that are looking at designing bottles, take my word for it that I hate those kind. But it does have yeah. a nice gold top. If you follow 1792 on Instagram, I do, and Facebook, they are big in, if you look at with the font and the gold and stuff, they like to push the kind of New York edgy looking uh, style on their uh, on their Instagram with their ads. You know, they like to have people hanging around and like... It's the gentleman's bourbon. Yeah, the gentleman's bourbon yeah. kind of thing, you know, so... Back room. Right, exactly. So... Yeah. Mahogany, yeah, they mahogany love, bookshelves, cigars. They love all that good stuff. The three-piece suits. You know, that's the bourbon for that. I love the fact that you guys mentioned that because there are some things that I love and hate about this bottle. One thing that I do love is the shape of it and the gold top. In fact, full disclosure here, way back when I first moved to Kentucky, I needed a couple of bottles entertaining some family that came down. I picked up the 1792, not because I knew anything about it, just because I liked the look of the bottle. When I had done that, I remember thinking this is really nicely shaped. The one thing I hate about it, though, is it takes up a lot of space on the shelf, and I like to display my bottles, and so I find myself turning these ones sideways because the footprint is so wide. Nothing against it. I I, I do like it a lot. And you can only pour it in one direction because it's long and skinny. You know, it's not round, so you don't just pick it up and, and pour it. You have to make sure that you're kind of like aiming the bottle in the on the skinny end into the because you're obviously your hands aren't wide enough to cover it side to side. So you know, it's a cool looking bottle, similar in style, and I believe. I mean, if y'all want to do the research on this, I believe it's similar in style to the to the Woodford Reserve bottle, which I think kind of caused some controversy when they first came out because. Um, because they were called Ridgewood Reserve and their bottle was shaped like uh, a lot like Woodford. And so I think Woodford um, might have sued them, and that's why they, they chose – they went to Ridgemont Reserve, and then even the reserve um, part, I think they still – they weren't happy about at, at Woodford. Um, 
that's when they ended up going to 1792. A couple of things that you mentioned, Anthony, especially about the, you like to display it just because it's a good looking bottle. I really like this bottle for a few things that are unique for it. I, I love the fact that each bottle, each variant, has its own color ribbon around the top. Because I love when I see when I see pictures of people's collections, or if you go up to a bar, or you're at someone's house, and you could scan their collection, you can just look at that ribbon, because chances are it's gonna be in the back or behind other bottles. And you can kind of say, oh, look at that. That's a, you know, that's a single barrel version they have. I don't think uh, Maroon would have been the first, I mean, for, for probably their most regular bourbon, like Maroon wouldn't have been the color that I picked. They, I'm sure they had a reason behind that. I was going to ask what your guys' favorite color is uh, on the, the neck of the bottle, since we're all familiar with different expressions. I would just say, I think the single barrel, that like kind of cream color is just incredibly nice. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I agree. Um, let's go through the bottles real quick. So... Michael already has already mentioned the Ridgewood Reserve. And then from there, they changed their name to Ridgemont Reserve. And those were age-stated, I believe, eight-year stated? I believe. Yeah. And then from there, they, they changed their name to 1792. And from that, there is a small batch, the single barrel, the bottled and bond, the foolproof, the 12-year, the sweet wheat, the high rye, the 225th anniversary bottle, and the port. You cannot get the 225 or the port anymore. The high rise supposedly, I believe, is supposed to come out this year again. And the but the port Barton just released a new label, Thomas S. Moore, and that is supposed to have the 1792 bourbon in it. They are flavoring it in different wine barrels. Further expression of the port. But yeah, each one has its own yeah, color. It's... And and like you, the single is very nice. I also like the 12 year. It's got that silver color, and it looks. I don't know. I, I like yeah, that one a I lot. Agree. And you don't you don't see it very often, but the port the port finish seventeen ninety two is like a like a Kentucky blue, yeah. like a royal blue. That one kind of pops. It's yeah, it different. Does pop. um, but I, of the ones that you see regularly, um, I would probably agree with Anthony. I like the uh, single barrels, kind of whitish tan uh, color. This one just doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, and it's amazing to think that when we all probably had our first taste of seventeen ninety two small batch, or even before that, to think that none of those. Line extensions are really out there from the beginning. There's something that's a more recent um, note. Um, very interesting that they've taken that turn to do a lot of experimental stuff like a lot of other distilleries as well. Have you ever seen their uh, little 50 milliliter bottles of this? They're, again, they're the same shape bottle, just teeny tiny. They're kind of cool looking. Um, I haven't seen those. Are they plastic or glass? Do you know? Uh, I think they're glass. I think they're glass. Yeah, I think and, they're glass. Ah, that's nice. I think right now, I, I saw them at the distillery gift shop. Okay. I don't know if I've seen them out in the wild. Yeah, no, that'd be a cool pickup to have one of those if they're glass. I always like that with the mini bottles if they're glass and not plastic. I'm guessing weird like that, but um, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. That's cool. So we poured our first our first glass, and it's very, I guess, copper. It's pretty dark. Yeah. If I was to describe it, I would say, well, we were out shopping the other day and got a bottle of local honey, and it kind of looks just like that local honey. Yeah, on, on the nose, I mean, you're definitely getting, you know, the... The vanilla and caramel, but you can you can smell some of that that higher percentage rye that's in the that's in the mash bill. I, you guys are probably gonna I'm probably gonna be completely alone on this one, but I used to drink the uh, the very old Barton quite frequently, and there's some 
notes that I pick up in this. And for some reason, I pick up a little bit of a banana note in the nose anyway. I don't know if it'll translate over to the palate. Maybe my nose is off tonight, but uh, I definitely smell a little bit of banana. All right. So I'm not getting this, but this is just an off topic story a little bit. As I look at a, a list of, you know, possible uh, descriptions and, and uh, notes, um, allspice is one of the ones that people always mention. And I'll be quite transparent. I had no idea what allspice was and uh, or is um, even mm-hmm. still to this day. I thought it was just something that like kind of like dash, you know, like the people just mix together and it creates a turns out it's an actual thing. I was at uh, the grocery store the other day. I was looking at the spices and the seasonings and all that kind of stuff. I saw allspice and um, this is just between us, right? This stays right here between the three three guys. Just, just as oh, of course. Yeah. yeah OK. Yeah. I may have opened one of the cans of allspice and uh, smelled it just so that I could know what that is, so that if I if I find it in, in my bourbon, I, I can identify it, and then I may okay. have put it back. So it sounds like we have a house expert on allspice. Turns out this was Jamaican allspice. I don't know if they're uh, all the same or not. But you know what? I'm I'm starting to pick after up sniffing the Jamaican allspice. I probably shouldn't have drove home either. But so you know, it's interesting you mentioned opening that in the grocery store because if you listen to experts who probably do this stuff more way more than we do they say that they recommend doing stuff like that you know just getting a bunch of things that you might taste or smell in your bourbon and go around and and create yourself a sort of aromatics for bourbon type of a thing so that you can know what you're trying to smell for let's go for our first taste all right it's spicy yeah it's got a medium finish definitely Mm -hmm. i uh vanilla 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 really comes through on the palate for me um i think that's kind of what i may have been smelling and not really knowing that i was smelling it so uh, vanilla and spicy i've got like a like a banana aftertaste i know this is pure psychology but i taste banana way more in the bottle and bond than i do in the small batch and i think it's just because they have a yellow tag on it and so (laughs) it probably is i'm thinking about bananas when i'm tasting it so maybe that's it i don't know it's definitely enjoyable though it's got nice sweetness to it uh, I think it it shows that it has some age to it. It's it's definitely not watery by any means. It's got a nice feel to it. I think I've kind of like grown up with 1792 in a way because when I started my bourbon journey, um, I, you know, this is when Eagle Rare was just sitting on the shelf. Hard to believe nowadays, but you know, I had a couple bottles of bottles of those. I had the Basil Hayden. You know, they were fine. And then I just picked this bottle up. I think one day because of the shape. I like, let's give this one a go. And I've really liked it since then. It's pretty much been my go-to since then, so. Yeah, it's interesting how we all kind of have those bourbons that we find, and we're not even looking for them. And I feel like 1792 is one of those that, you know, when you found it, you know, at a time where people could find whatever bourbon they wanted, you chose this one, and I think for good reason. I mean, it's a, it's got, to me, really nice flavor. Like, I, I already admitted to much to the dismay of others, I'm for my cheap stuff, I like very old Barton. You know, they've they've changed that many times over the years from having age statements to being bottled in bond to not being bottled in bond anymore. And um, I'm with you on that one. That's it's a good one to find. You know, if you had to pick between this and Eagle Rare, I think it gives it a little bit of a run for its money. That's just me anyway. I think I liked it because at the time, you could really pick this bottle up for $21, $22 compared to now where they've kind of raised it. Definitely for the, you know, 20 buck range, it was... But it hasn't gone up much, I think. Yeah. Compared to a lot of other bottles we've seen, I mean, you know, in three or four years, it's, you know, you could still, like Anthony said, maybe find it on sale for $25 or $26, something like that, but... Yeah, I definitely believe, depending on what store you go to, this is definitely a, a mid to upper 20 price bottle nowadays. 
So would you say it is incomparably brash and bold? I don't know what I would say about it. <laughs> Wait, but there's there's a second part, yet smooth and balanced. I, I guess they're getting the brash from the from the rye, high rye content. It's like my head. It's like those commercials where the uh, the deodorant commercials where they'd say strong enough for a man, but pH balanced for a woman, right? You got the uh, <laughs> you know just strong enough, but but also you know it can serve its purpose for everybody. When I did buy this for entertaining, one of the people that really enjoyed it was my aunt. And she is not a person that drinks bourbon, that much alcohol, and she really enjoyed it. In fact, I had, I think, five or six bourbons laid out, and she said, I'll have more of that one. And well, so I was like, yeah. Shout out go. to Anthony's aunt here for yeah, uh, yeah, for picking out a yes. winner. <laughs> and leaving the pappy on the table and taking this one, right? <laughs> well, I didn't have, I mean, come on, I didn't have any pappy, let's be honest, I was back then. <laughs> So we expect, they have all these versions of their bourbon at Barton, but they had a little incident at a warehouse a few years back. Well, I mean, from what I know, and I, I will yield to Michael as well, because I know at the time, a lot of people had not even heard of 1792, didn't even know about the bourbon, and all they saw was this warehouse in Kentucky collapsed, and next thing you know, there were bourbon spilling in the river, Everyone was worried about how many barrels were lost and all this other kind of stuff. And so you saw all these memes online, a lot of people posted about it. Basically, from what I understand, there's some kind of bugs in the rickhouse that eat through the wood. Again, I'm not into all that stuff. I'm not I'm not a scientist or anything of that nature to know what's going on. But uh, that's what happened. And apparently they kind of had a feeling that that warehouse was unstable. They didn't have visitors going through it or anything like that. Um, it must have been beyond the point, and it just came crashing down, and there was bourbon everywhere. Yeah, and then it ended up spilling into the river and the creeks, and fish died, and it always ends up turning into a huge fine for a company when that ends up happening, right? Because uh, you know, I like to think down downstream somewhere there was a drunk cow just lapping up the creek water. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Like those of you that mix <laughs> your bourbon with water, you just all you had to do was just dip your cup in the river, right? And you you had it a. Uh, you know, 1792 or the Barton facility also makes Fireball. So, and I know everybody that's listening has had Fireball. That's probably their number one product at that at that place. Would you say that's bold and brash? Uh, that would be quite bold and brash. You I guys would, left would, off delicious. I, I'm not good at picking up notes, but I would definitely get some cinnamon out of the Fireball. So, I mean, have you have you seen the the way that Fireball is sold at these liquor stores, I mean, it is insane. If you just sit at a liquor store for an hour or two, you're going to watch 20 people come in and buy Fireball. Like, I guarantee it. Especially if you're near oh. a college campus. But I, I saw that the other day. I wanted to grab a bottle of bourbon, and a person in front of me bought, like, 10 shots of Fireball and a pack of cigarettes. And I was thinking to myself, I hope they're... You know, taking those ten shots somewhere and not taking them to work with them, and or oh, that's all they ever buy is the shot glass, the shot bottles. They don't nobody buys the fifth of it. You know, they you yeah. know they could save ten dollars by doing that. They they got to have the individual ones. Well, and those those shots sit right there in that cooler, usually right by the register, and so of course you're going to be drawn to that. It's already chilled for you. It's ready to go. I mean, there's no waiting involved. Stephen and I were able to go to a thing on 1792 at at a local liquor store here where they had a, you know, a member of their team came and spoke and talked a little bit about the brand and 
So that's where we've learned all this kind of stuff. But they started mentioning all of the different stuff that they make at Barton. And I think they've got a couple other whiskeys and things like that that, that are smaller. Um, and then when they mentioned Fireball, there was there was one lady there. Stephen doesn't remember this story, but I, I do. Um, and there was one o- older lady there. And she was like, oh, well, I've heard of that before. And, uh, you know, and so, of course, she was listening the rest of the time after, after mentioning uh, Fireball. So, fellas... Would you pass, try, or buy? I think I would try. I like it. It's a good middle-of-the-road bourbon, but there's, and I've mentioned it before, but there's just too many in this category, this price range, that I like better. So I would try it. I would buy it at a, when I say try it, I mean I would buy it at a, at a bar or a restaurant um, because I know it wouldn't be too expensive as a pour. I don't think I'd have a bottle, unless I'm trying to collect all of them. Yeah, I'm going to agree there. I'm going to say try try for me and i'm wondering if steven's gonna say buy or not I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting to see what he says but the reason i'm gonna say try is because i have tried a lot of 1792 and i sort of settled into the single barrel is sort of my favorite of the lineup of course hopefully we'll get a chance to taste that at some point in time because there is some variation there but for me for some of the same reasons that michael said when i have other things that i really like in this price range looking at this one to buy all the time, but definitely would recommend to try because it could become one of your favorites. Well, surprisingly, I'm going to have to kind of agree with you guys. Oh, I'm is, shocked. This is not my favorite of the variety they have. I definitely like the small, the single barrel, the 12-year, obviously Ooh, a lot more than good. this. And I just think as my, my palate has grown, like you guys said, this price point, you can get others that are just as equal or might be slightly better. Just a couple of years ago, you could get a McKenna tenure for in the upper twenties. Oh yeah, that'd be way better than you know the small batch for the same price. So you definitely try. I mean, I know it has a special place in my heart, and I'll probably always keep it around. Definitely try it and see if you like it. So Anthony, well, let me ask you this: You mentioned you've had the very old Barton. Saw some similarities in this to that. That's like nine dollars. Is it worth spending? two and a half times as much to get this one? Or would you just say, if you're out and you're looking for something, um, you'd re- would you rather have the Burial Barton or the, or the small batch? Well, it's very interesting because I am came a little bit of a Burial Barton snob, which is a strange thing to say because you can't really be a snob of a bottom shelf bourbon, but I guess in my case I was. Of course, when it carried the six-year age statement, I would have taken it all day. But the weird thing is they had different proofs. I've, I've kind of stopped keeping up with it. It was like 86 proof and 90 proof and then 100 proof the one that i had the most affinity for was the 100 proof the reason why i'm saying was is because what i think has been going on and it makes sense because a lot of other distilleries are going through growing pains as well is i feel like some of the distillates that maybe used to go into the very old barton is kind of going toward the more premium stuff so right now i would probably pick the 1792 over the very old barton the small batch but if it was still the old bottle and bond stuff or the age stated stuff forget about it i would take that all day because it does cost ten dollars a bottle or twelve dollars a bottle it's pretty cheap so but you might try that and find you like it just as well i think small batch y'all can make fun of me or not actually don't make fun of me because people listening probably do the same thing but (laughs) i mixed some bourbon with some coke again last night and sometimes there's just nothing better than that and this uh, 1792, oh man, if you if you mix that with some Coke, I bet it'd be really good because it's got the like the spiciness to it, you to know, cut, to cut through the Coke. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it would just be, you know, I still like to mix it every now and then, and so I think this would be, and it's not real expensive. If you pour it into a Coke, you're not, you know, you're not out a hundred dollars by 
by pouring that in there. I think it'd be pretty good in there. Yeah, and it's funny because that's like, you know, on, the, on groups and bourbon groups and things like that, it's blasphemy to mix your bourbon with anything. But my wife doesn't drink bourbon, and she will have early times with Pepsi. The early times bottle and bond with Pepsi, that's like she will actually drink that because she thinks it tastes amazing. And I think it's for the reasons you just said. Yeah, hey, you know what? Whatever mixes is good. You you do you, right? You, I don't care how you exactly. drink the bourbon. You know, if you... I know somebody that mixes it with Sprite. I saw somebody on TV the other day just mixed it with water, you know, like, you know, if you want to drink it straight, neat, whatever, however you like it, I guess. So, but you have to remember, always add lime. No, oh, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> and about a thousand ice cubes. <laughs> the only time I ever get upset when people are mixing bourbon with anything is when some guy is on a Facebook group going, Oh, you know, I haven't felt good for three weeks, but I'm just going to try to like find out the best hot toddy recipe. And I'm like, no, stop drinking bourbon. <laughs> you, yeah, know, right. you don't need to be drinking bourbon right now if you're feeling good. <laughs> it, it's funny that you mentioned those, uh, those Facebook groups because uh, the other day somebody, you know, somebody said, I saw one on there and somebody's like, well, does anybody ever even open their bottles that they have? You know, and they, you know, there's always a big thing about people who are like, oh, just drink them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, myself and a guy I work with, we're always like, man, people can do whatever they want with their bottles. If they want to buy a bottle and throw it out in the middle of the street for traffic to run over it, that's up to them. You know, like, um, I don't care what you do with it. I mean, I hope you drink yeah. it, but you don't have to. And just yeah. a piece of advice for those of you that are listening that are just getting into the bourbon world. Don't go chasing after everything online that you see. Don't have bourbon envy over people that you see online wanting to have all these things. Part of what we're trying to do here is show you that there are a thousand things out there that you can buy each and every day, no matter where you go, that are really, really good. And you don't have to have all of the things that that people see online. You don't have to have the Pappy. You don't have to have the Rock Hill Farm. They're all really good, but you don't have to have them. You can try all kinds of other things and you're going to like all of them. Yeah, full confession there. Like I've seen some of those posts recently where people are saying, if you really want to come into the category, you should get comfortable with liking Jim Beam white label or whatever. And I don't think you got to be to that degree. No. Um, I agree with Michael and just saying that like I see people rush in. I see it on both ends. Number one, they rush in, they buy a bunch of stuff from a store, and then they think they're going to flip it for money. Like I don't know how many things I've seen this oh, past week of people posting regular stuff you can find on the shelf. And they're trying to sell it for, you know, thirty dollars over what a store's charging for it. People are like, "Hey, this is on a shelf." So you see people going that way, and you also see people saying like, "Hey, I just paid, you know, X amount of money for Van Winkle, and it's exorbitant." And you're kind of like, "Well, what can we say about that?" I mean, some people just can't get over the fact that they're excited about buying something and they're going to buy it. But if you're patient and you learn. Pay attention and just kind of watch those groups. And I would say, listen, if there is such a thing in the social media world, and that usually makes your experience a little bit better. Right. Do your research. Like, seriously, if there's a bottle that's $150 at a store, don't just go rush out and buy it just because you. it's got to be good because it's $150. Like, number one, it's probably that expensive because either it costs a lot for them to make or they, you know, they source their stuff. And if you've never heard of the company and it's $150 or $200, why don't you go back home and, and do your research and figure it out? Because there's a good chance it'll still be there when you come back. Don't just buy it thinking you're you're buying something good because you paid so much for it. I can attest to Bourbon Envy because, but I do not have a Weller 12 in my collection. And everyone around me, I swear, has six, seven, eight, twelve 12 bottles of it. And I can not get my hands on one of them. <laughs> oh. 
So I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got the special reserve. I've got the I've got the uh, antique. I've got the William Louis Weller, but I can't get my hands on a W twelve for some reason. And not that I, you I mean, it's okay. I mean, when, it, when it happens, and you're okay with that. Yeah. Right? When it happens, I'll be thing. fine with it. It's just kind of become a joke in a way that I, I don't have one yet. It's and part what of I'm the uh, Steven is you should take pride in the fact that you are might be one of the only people in the nation that can't get a Weller twelve, but you have a William Larue Weller. Which I mean, come on, you know that's that's a model people are will never get their hands on. And those of you it listening, understand that we get all of our bottles honestly, right? Yeah. So. We're not, Lotteries, we're not, we're not giving, we're not hunting. giving, yeah, we're not giving anything by any company. We're not, we've not done anything to, uh, to, uh, you know, to get any kind of advantage over anybody else. We sat out in the freezing cold lottery for three hours before the numbers were even drawn. And my man, Steven over here was one of the first ones drawn and, um, and got his William Lurie Weller. So and that may not ever happen again, and I can attest to that as I am over the world in lotteries. So, um, yes, absolutely, you got to put in work sometimes. I remember lining up at five forty-five in the morning one time with uh, there was about ten people in line, and we sat there until the store opened. I think it was a ten o'clock open. We were there a long time, but the payoff was getting a Weller Twelve at retail, and I was like, "Yep, I'm excited about that." And I'm sure if I post that on Facebook, that people would be like. Oh, you waited four hours for your weather 12? Like, what's the matter with you? But, oh, well, you know, that's the way the online world is. But we put our work into, for sure. And with that, thanks for listening to this week's edition. Please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Mashup KY. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep it neat.